Welcome, Bite. It's a big content. We took the last week off. This was our uh, our bye week, I guess you could say. Now that we're in the in the midst of the NFL season, Jack went home to his family down south. I went home for like one day. Totally could have shot this, to be honest with you. The Aaron Rodgers of content creation. I don't. I don't do breaks. I don't do breaks. We don't give up ever. I was saying more so. Just didn't want to spend time with the family, but whatever. They do nothing for me. There's no. <laughs> there's no value there. There's no value prop from the family. Um, but we are biking. We'll continue to rip these off every Wednesday. If if you are new here, we basically talk about everything going on in the creator economy. We're trying to help people at all levels of content creation um, go from, you know, whatever their goal is, whether it's, you know, idea, passion, all the way to a full-time content creator and every step in between. So we take a lot of questions, Q&As from you guys. So if you're not in the Discord yet, we'll link that down below. You can join and that's where we take the questions from. On today's docket, we move through the scope of Barstool right now because we have Brianna Chicken Fry coming out and talking about her salary when she started at Barstool and how no one talks about money. And this is something we've been pretty uh, straightforward about how we feel about it. Um, some news with the Liver King, some news with Prez and Dave Portnoy. Got a couple big comments on our TikToks um, and everything in between that. So we'll start off with, hello, Jack. I missed you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I realize sometimes I start the show and I talk for like nine straight minutes. No, 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 no. That's how you've kind of taken the role as host. I host pretty much every piece of content that I do. So I like when someone else plays host. It's kind of exhausting sometimes. It is. It's it not is. for me in this though, because I feel like it's, it just naturally comes yeah, off the tongue. Yeah. But being a host in a podcast can be Because you tough. have to you have to give your opinions. You have to listen. But you also have to be conscious about time. You have to do transitions. You have to do. And this kind of goes back to my day one point, which is like you benefit from just going out and doing stuff because you would never learn how to do this stuff unless you go and do it. Yeah. I've, I've thought about, well, I thought about that a lot because most of my fantasy videos that I do, I do by myself individually. And sometimes I listen to other fantasy podcasts. I'm like, damn, it's kind of nice probably having a host and like oh, segueing yeah. through things. And like, you don't really have to come up with the topics mm -hmm. and they just kind of roll off the tongue for you. But just not, you know, like I said, I'm built different. <laughs> I'm built different. I'm built as a one-man show over here. Brianna Chicken Fry was basically a one-man show until she was signed to Barstool. And for those of you that don't know her, she's a content creator that came up on TikTok and basically kind of like had this college following of uh, her following her life throughout college and just like a very typical like middle upper class, like blackout on the weekends, college, like, but very, I'm relating to you. Like, I'm mm -hmm. a piece of shit. Like, come through these funny adventures with me. Yeah. And she was perfect for Barcel, like a perfect fit for her. Uh, I think she accumulated, what, like a couple million followers before yeah, they signed she's her? she's got a couple million. She's she's also had a great year once she got to Barstool. So the, what do they call the podcast that they do? BFFs. Yeah, BFF Spot. She's gotten close with the TikTokers. It goes to speak about how beneficial collaboration can be. So while Nick's a solo show, she took the route of, okay, I'm big by myself, but like what this has done for her to put her on just a different level. Well, I, I think, uh, well, from a few different, uh, we have a lot to talk about here, I think, actually, now that we're, like, really diving into it, but the clip in particular that we're talking about that Tony will throw up, she was talking about how no one talks about money in the content creation space, and a lot of content creators fuck themselves over because, or fuck other people over by not talking about it, and this was literally a topic we talked about. It was, like, $75,000 for, like, a year. I still don't know my value almost because nobody talks about it, but when I first started, I remember I got my contract with Barstool and it was like $75,000 for like a year. And I didn't know other influencers were making that for a swipe up. And I'm like, this is going to be my salary, which I thought was amazing. The more transparent you could be about things that people are uncomfortable being transparent about is like how you build a real relationship with people. And she was like, yeah, when I first got signed at Barstool, they were paying me a $75,000 salary. 
And I'm like, man, if you think about a marketing campaign that a company pays for, that if they're automatically getting 3 million eyeballs on, like they'll pay so much more for mm-hmm. that. So they're signing her for a year on a $75,000 salary. And she was like, yeah, no one talks about it. And I thought that was amazing. I was like $75,000 salary to create content. Like what a good deal for me. Cause she didn't know what other people were making for her size, for her follower count, for all that kind of stuff. And it opens up like a bigger discussion of, you know, one, as an individual creator, like what should you be looking for in that situation? I do think it might speak to the TikTok platform in itself is it's, it's difficult to monetize on there. You know, we've mm-hmm. talked about how, you know, uh, 10,000 YouTube subscribers is more valuable than 100,000 on TikTok, maybe 500,000 on TikTok, whatever the case may be. I think this is a product of that, but I appreciate her coming out and like being really open about it. And she has so much leverage now that it's probably easy for her to talk about mm-hmm. it, right? Like Barcel that Prez openly talks about how she's one of like the key pillars at Barcelona, for now, sure. which is, um, it's kind of crazy. She came out of nowhere. I don't think she's like an overbearing personality. She wasn't like, um, Alex from call her daddy where you sit down with her for an hour and you're like, she's a star. Like, you mm-hmm. know, she'll rip it on her own. She'll monetize on her own or whatever. I don't really get that from Brianna chicken fry, but, um, she's obviously super valuable to the company. So I guess from all that fucking bullshit, I just spewed <laughs> out takeaways and what, key points. Yeah, what's the angle here? I think one, the comment section was like, that is a great salary coming out of school. First job. Uh, which I, which I agree with, like that is pretty solid. And there's part of it that Barstool has helped her get to the next level. I think she's a star in her own right. I also think the benefit of reps, like they taught her probably how to go from one spot to another spot. So we've talked about this before. Would you take a job at another company? Does that benefit you? I think it absolutely paid off for her. Now, what is her value? And this is where it gets interesting, right? So she's on this one-year deal. If Barstool is smart, they won't go into a similar spot like they did when they lost uh you know to spotify because you you got to take care of your people who are dominating for you she's dominating i'm sure she's being taken care of because they don't want to have that similar situation yeah so i guess like my question would be with her you know it's it's like they don't want to fall into a similar situation with caller daddy but caller daddy is it's so clear how alex and caller daddy were monetizable it's like you have a podcast Mm -hmm. with five million followers throw ads in there, which is normal to every podcast, we reap the benefit of that. With Beyond Chicken Fry, I don't really know exactly. Well, their podcast, I'm sure, gets a ton of listens and advertising. Correct, but that's not her. She was not the reason that that podcast blew up. She's a part of it now. Right. I would argue I've listened to a lot of that for the yeah. first, like, six eight months that thing launched. I was interested in just seeing how Prez, like, maneuvered yeah. and navigated that. I, I thought he carried that on his back for eight months. I thought he was, like, the host, the entertainer, the best part of that mm-hmm. show. I was I, for a while. I was like, why is she even on the show? She like doesn't say anything. She's like not a, not a value yeah. add. She got way more comfortable with it. But that's not the same as like call her daddy the way that mm. that fucking thing held up by itself. With her, I don't know what else she does. Like, does she, is she a big YouTuber? Is so she... I think that they had her do like a college tour, a yeah, blackout that, college yeah, yeah, tour, yeah. which crushed. And so that's obviously she could probably go like solo pod, get big guests, go to colleges, and attack so, that. So market. my so my I guess my angle was like call her daddy. She leaves. Very easy to see how she monetizes. She didn't need Barcel to monetize. Well, she was just going to redo what she was already doing. Correct. But You're saying you don't fry, think she could start her podcast. You, you think she there. could do a college tour without any like help? She's that big. I think so. I think so. But like what she, the, the venues, the logistics, the shit, all, like all that stuff was taken care of by Barcel. All she probably needed to do was like show up. Yeah, well, it would make her job significantly harder, but then Correct. she would also have significantly higher payout. And I also wonder what the mo- like how much money they made off college. Like, you and me have done live events. You don't make a lot of money off of live events. You, you, you build a strong brand. You can't, so, so like... You she, can, but she's not going to be the one to know how to do that. Not, I mean, 
we don't know necessarily. Fair. Uh, I would say like she could probably do appearances at college bars for five grand for for you know per yeah easily like because she she could I think she could sell at any bar in the country right now if she said I'm coming and it's just like a drink with me like p- people would go to that bar instead of that bar for that one night and that's probably worth five grand to to a bar yeah I guess my yeah I, I'm just kind of playing like devil's advocate yeah. here how I think the caller daddy side was just way more valuable to a company like bar well, that was a like, piece of I. Caller Daddy was IP, right? Mm-hmm. And Alex was the talent for it. Alex, so who left? Alex or Alex was the bigger one that went to Spotify. Well, Alex and Sophia both. I mean, they're not. You know, right. neither of them were but at Alex is after at this. Spotify. Yeah, Alex okay, was okay. like the big. Alex started it, did right. it. Like, so the was, like, IP, kind of the IP is what really sold to Spotify. You're saying you don't think she could take this concept? I don't and think the IP did. It. I think the talent did. Interesting. As I, I as think you're probably underselling Alex. how talented she is. I think she's Brianna. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. Um, I I think her TikTok is. I think she is a, a talented person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's worth way more than 75k salary. Obviously, Obviously. that was like Barcelona Group, but that's yeah. also them taking a chance on a first-time content creator, 100%. being like, "Are you going to be able to monetize for us?" Whereas it's like a little bit more unclear, like how she ends up doing that. Does she survive without it? I think um, she benefits from staying there for the next year or so. I think Barstool would be smart. And I think Barstool mutually benefits. So I think they got to find a price that makes sense. I don't know how they work. Like talent within a bigger media company, can she do outside deals, right? Could she do stuff any outside of Barstool? There's rev sharing. There, there's all different ways to kind of finagle it. Back to the point, though, which is 75K is she had no clue. Like she probably could have gotten 10 brand deals over the year and made 100K. Now she would be nowhere near where she is today without barstool that that's kind of what i'm saying is like 75k it's like underselling her audience but is it because it's like you don't have a clear definition of how you monetize that with her so it's like you give 75k to alex cooper the first time that she's signing with barstool it's like oh very clearly we're recouping that immediately through spotify ads with her it's like we don't know if she's popular enough to do a, a college tour. With true, we don't true. know if it's po- she doesn't have her own podcast that gets a million views. So it's like, where do we actually monetize from it? So 75K, yeah, again, underselling because she has the audience and the eyeballs. But for her, I think it's, it, it, Barcelona is one of the few companies that I believe, you know, we've talked about this where it's like, oh, we'll promise to make your audience bigger. We'll promise mm-hmm. to put you in a spotlight. Most companies really don't have that power. Yeah. Barcelona is one of them that can make you a superstar if you are a superstar. For right? sure. Um, so I think that's it big, like her network over the last year, just being at Barcel is, you know, priceless at this point mm-hmm. is worth any, any, uh, type of salary. Um, so I think 75 K at Barcel to be like a content creator, but it's sink or swim. It's like, they'll, they'll, you'll know at the end of the year, whether or not you were worth that salary. Right. So, I mean, it's tough. Like, but it's also for them, it's like they, there's 10 people we didn't hear about that they brought in that mm-hmm. just didn't perform for them. But this one success is worth 25 misses. And that that's the benefit of, of a big media company and being able to take those chances. Yeah, they're basically like a venture capital firm <laughs> yeah, with content, content creators yeah. now. It's like yeah. they put bets on 10 guys. If you have one unicorn, like a brand of chicken fry, mm-hmm. pays for the other nine that you miss. And there was actually a podcast I listened to on the Dave Portnoy show. They brought on one of their guys, Stu Finer, and he was like, if I had control, he's a nut job, right? Mm -hmm. But I actually really appreciated what he said in this piece. He was like, if I had control of the company's future, what I would do is basically turn Barstool into a school. I would turn it into an educational school for content creators and teach them everything from the start to the finish, everything about everything, equipment, how to be on camera, like all that shit and make it become an academy because you would have just as many people that want to apply to that school as a traditional fucking education (laughs) system right now. And he was like, this is, he was like, you want to talk about how Barcelona goes from a hundred million dollar company to a few billion dollars. Like we change the entire education industry. We become multi-billion dollar company through this. And like, everyone was like laughing at him in the podcast. I was like, this is a, this is 
This is actually how you make that a billion dollar company. He, I mean, Stu's really smart, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, as wacky as he is. I think that they kind of are that and they do that by actually making people do it instead yeah. of like schooling them. Like, could you, it could be two separate things. You could have Barstool Academy, people apply, they go to school, they learn all this stuff. But I think at the end of the day, there's nothing better than actually practicing it, which is what they effectively make people do while they're there. Yeah. Um, I, th I just thought it was a really interesting topic on the, on the, on the Portnoy show. And speaking of Dave Portnoy, he launched his watch company brick the other day and Apparently, I guess he came out and made a video like two or three days later, emergency press conference. He's like, I'm getting so much hate in the comments. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, this is why I, I saw the initial launch. I saw, you know, a couple TikToks about it, but I didn't see that. So, yeah, so he launched it and he was just getting a ton of hates from all like the watch nerds in the comments being like, this is not worth it. This is mm -hmm. fake, whatever. And it was just people talking for the sake of talking, like just being negative because they think it gets likes on TikTok, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he came out and was like, I don't know where all this is coming from. He like addressed all this stuff, which I thought... I mean, I didn't have any problem with it, whatever, Tim, it's his company. I was surprised he did it because it was like he was kind of giving in to the haters and like giving them a response and giving them the satisfaction of it. He did mention in a pizza review, he's like, if we don't start selling some watches, like we're going to be in trouble. So I actually think he was a little bit nervous about yeah. how the launch of his uh, watch company went. And it was like, it was just people making so many corny TikToks. He's like, what someone did a stitch. It was like, he named it Brick. Like everyone knows that like Brick is already like a negative word in the consumer portfolio. I'm like, dude, you're trying so fucking hard right now to be a, like a weirdo of it. And like brick by brick is his thing. Like yeah. I built Barcelona yeah. brick by brick, you know? So I think before the analysis of the, the watch company, the launch, mm -hmm. all that, I want to talk about, this is the path for a creator. In my opinion, this is why we've talked about niches though. Are we a niche or niche? What are niche. we niche? niche? Okay. Niche, right? He's not a watch guy, right? He doesn't have, no one thinks of him as a watch guy. Pizza guy, right? And then they launch the Barstool Pizza, and that that makes a lot of sense. So, but this is the path for a creator: build audience in a niche, and then sell them a product at the end. So it was cool to kind of see that even at his level, that is still the creator playbook. In my it's opinion. probably why he's getting so much pushback because he never made a clear linear play to why he should be selling a right. fucking watch. As, as Big Cat launched his coffee stuff. Now he's not a coffee expert, but he's been talking about coffee for three straight years, and he clearly. It plays in that world mixes like he does the them. content within the uh i don't know the name like the mom that works in the barcel office comes around and gives him cookies and he right. does reviews on it if he launched a cookie brand tomorrow would do great right because exactly. you just associate these pieces of content with them and it's the same way that you know any piece of you become the content that you make right yeah. like if we in two years we kept doing this and then we're like listen we're opening up a mastermind course or whatever yeah we'd probably be able to get a few customers from it it's like the content you do directly projects to the products or the business or the services that yeah. you make so that's why i feel like he had a lot of pushback well i want to i want to talk about the pushback yes some people are going to hate on it no matter what right. it's it, that's just anyone launches anything that's going to be the case i think that there were some fair points to it because when a creator who's not an expert in a field launches something it should it should be like one of a, a few different things one the price was aggressive right so for at twenty four hundred dollars that's an aggressive price point to say why is this better than this or that? And some of the points that I saw were like, you could get more quality watches. And and 
I think what people fear is this, he thinks he can just sell me anything and I'm gonna buy it, which is which is fair because that isn't the case. And I think that that's what it kind of appears to be a little bit. Now he did have some reasoning, he has some like, there is a message behind it, but I thought I saw a technical breakdown of like the company and there were fair points, at least from, from what I saw. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I think some of the points were fair, but, the, and then the rebuttal video that he had were like, you, you have like journalists from like reputable newspapers posting stuff like this is ridiculous. He made this watch for like $40 and right. it's just completely false. And he's like, this tossed me thousands and thousands of dollars to right. do this. Like the, the markup is exactly what the markup is in the industry. And I think that goes back to the point that like a lot of the times with creators, influencers, you are buying the person not the product. So it's like someone who's followed Prez doesn't think twice about whether or not he's duping them on the price. That's what I thought was funny. I thought he missed on the price range because you think of the Barstool audience, his biggest fans are, are in your sweet spot of high school, college kids who can't afford $2,400 watch. Now, one kid can for graduation from his grandparents mm -hmm. get a $2,400 watch, but I thought he wanted it to be like an everyday type thing. I thought like when I was looking at the watch, I thought it was going to be... 150 to 500 bucks max. And so that kind of shocked me. And that's what made it feel like, okay, now you're competing in a different world. You're and not people who buy $2,500 watches know about watches. Exactly. I, I could, I completely agree with you on that. When I, when I saw the price range, I was like, I, I, I would support Prez just for the sake of supporting Prez. Cause I yeah. appreciate like everything he's done for just media in general at a point of $150, maybe $200. <laughs> exactly. Like the, when the Barstool fund was going on, like obviously, you know, you could, anyone could contribute. I, I, I think I put in 300 or $500. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, I, I appreciate what they do and I trust that the money's going to the right places. I would do that with price too. The price point is for sure what exactly you nailed it. Why, if sales aren't going well, that's why. Because yeah. he put it at a price where, and I, I believe that the price is right based on the quality of the watch or whatever he's making. But yeah, that did, probably didn't hit his target audience when it's all college kids, when it's kids right out of college. And when you get to $2,500, that's a big expense mm -hmm. for people our age, for people five years younger than us. And if they're going to do that, yeah, they could probably go elsewhere. Or it's people that are really into watches that are like, I'm buying this as an investment or whatever to yeah. flip later yeah. or some shit like that. So yeah, I, I think the price point was super fucking aggressive. And it, and it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't go and hit like his high net worth friends who are just going to buy and support him like a 10,000 or like a showpiece. And it doesn't hit that audience. You're just playing now a watch game and you're not a watch person. They've so always done so well with like productizing things that are Right. perfect for their college audience shampoo deodorants high noon yeah. yeah everything it, that like you could buy in really high volume at a cheap price is yeah. like how i feel like they've made their money yeah which is why and and i i think it's awesome he's trying to make that attempt my biggest worry because when we did snapback kitchen this is a similar kind of concept it's we're launching a new product the price was very important and and I think like the behind the scenes is important because he's kind of just coming out. You also have to be all in on this. And we truthfully weren't all in on Snapback Kitchen. We have so much else going on. And that's a huge plan in 23 that we didn't have everything ready to go. And I just worry if he's a one man show promoting this watch that is out of the price range of the majority of his followers, like he's now playing a different game and just having a face to it isn't going to get it all done. And I wonder too what the marketing strategy, because obviously he had another company build it for him. He's going to have probably a marketing team around it yeah. to like help promote it. Every other product I feel like that they've had that's been successful, which is almost all of their products probably, go it, it's like meshed into the barstool atmosphere. Yep, yep. And I doubt he probably is in a in a spot where like he's not gonna make his employees promote 
brick watches. Right. So it's like he's on his own for this, which, you know, him and himself as an influencer can probably push fucking numbers. But I wonder what, ki- uh, what kind of marketing strategy they take. Do they start to you know, promote it more professionally. Like, do you see commercials for brick right. watches that are like, oh, this is weird. This is not bar stool anymore. This is like yeah. its own luxury product. I would love right. to sit down with Erica and, and have her explain, like, how does Blue, St- or is it Stella Coffee, Blue? St- uh, like, I forget, but yeah. yeah. Uh, how Big the, Cat's Coffee. Yeah. yeah, how does Big Cat's Coffee, how does, like, if Brianna's college tour, like, there's something, and then this watch thing. Like, is this under bar stool? Because the coffee stuff was promoted on Barstool stuff. I would assume there are probably like two or three employees. Maybe Prez is probably the only one that could actually do it. I mean, it's obviously all his money. He went out of his way to do it. He's doing it on the side. I'm I'm assuming anyone under him, which is basically every single person, has to go through Barstool if they want to launch their own product because Big Cat's like way too valuable to the company in order to start doing side shit with it. Um, But they probably have like uh, spinning chiclets. Like their Mm -hmm. vodka is underneath Barstool. Barstool owns part of it and so do the talent or something. Yeah, and even to this day, like for Caller Daddy... They still, I believe, maybe it expires or it expired last year or something, but they, even when she went over to Spotify, they owned a piece of her merch. Gotcha. And they, they pushed merch for her. So I would assume most of the stuff falls under their umbrella. This, this why I'm interested to see what happens with this, because this feels like the first thing that's really yeah. him getting out of like Barstool. And he's probably thinking of his future, right? He was bought out. Like he, yeah. in, I forget how many years, five years. Yeah. He's not going to be really a part of Barstool anymore. And he's probably thinking about his legacy going forward. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these, you know, big time creators or celebrities start their own products as we basically been talking about, like the tequila, the whatever, yeah. like those become, you know, their, their venture, their business product, yeah. their whatever. So I'm uh, I'm excited to see how it goes. I mean, I hope it goes well for him. Like I, I, I like Prez a lot. Yeah. I just can't support $2,400. Right. <laughs> Speaking of someone who's untrustworthy, we have <laughs> the Liver King. For those of y'all that don't know who the Liver King is, um, you could probably explain it better. The, the Liver King is a body weight, body influencer. He's a lifting weight. I don't know. He just like, eats raw meat. He just eats raw meat. He's all about this natural, animalistic thought process of our ancestors. I know that. Our ancestors ate meat and and hunted and and they were ripped i guess shocking news breaking news the liver king was on steroids and this finally was revealed on i should have written this down big plates big something youtube channel did a whole deep dive has emails has conversations uh, about a ten thousand dollar a month program a steroid program hgh all that good stuff or all that bad stuff he's essentially a fraud because his promotion was you could be natural and and do all this stuff and look like him. And to the surprise of no one, he was he was roiding. I think there's a million ways to go about this. One would be I don't right, even well, know. Well, let's let's talk about the path of like content when something happens like yeah. this, right? It's like he he's made his whole thing about being natural mm-hmm. and only eating this raw meat in order to get the physique that he has, which is an insane. He looks like he's straight out of the movie 300 yeah. with this physique. And every time he gets accused of it. He denies it. He's like, I don't take steroids. I'm all natural. And then he'll eat like a fucking chicken nut right on camera. And it's crazy. And now he's being exposed through it. And through his head, it's like running through, you know, what's your next move? It's like, do you just deny it? You can't because this video already in 24 hours is 2 million views. So it's already spread. It's already like there for you. So he's probably thinking in his head, okay, I need a rebuttal. It's like one of two paths. Mm. Do I look for an out in which I try to expose this as being fake? Do I come out and do I, uh, you got OCD? No, your Discord notifications were playing. Uh, um, do I, 
I didn't even fucking hear them. So in my so in my bag right You're now. You're so your liver king bag. <laughs> uh, at, or is it like, do I admit it, come out with some like heartfelt like apology and then try to move forward, which obviously kills your brand. I mean, I, th- I think the, it, there's no win here for him. He's just a liar. No, I think it's over. Yeah. I think he's done. I don't, I don't think you can come back from this. This isn't getting canceled. This is a straight up lie. I'm all natural. I eat meat. You look like me. Other side. I took steroids the entire time. This is completely fake. You can't look like me. So how do you pivot from there? I'll say the one thing that shocked me, a couple people were defending him, and I thought that it it is actually a credit to him. People credit him with helping them. Like, just he's super responsive in DMs Mm -hmm. and replies. And I think, like, if there's anything that you could... Okay, this is how... If I was his PR team, this is how I would approach it. This is a really interesting conversation. I... Went to these lengths because this is what I had to do to get on the grand stage. I had to be this character. My intent behind all of this was to help people. I know that you could never look like me, but you look better. You eat better. You are better because of this. I apologize that it took like this. You guys, he could even argue, you should have known that this wasn't natural, but this was what it needed to look like for people to start listening. I think he's probably, maybe you have a chance at that point. There's a chance that he's done enough good that'll have supporters for it it's almost like if we came onto this podcast and we were like we're going to tell you how to become a full-time content creator in the next five years and we try when we pretend to go through the step-by-step but the entire time we had like a trust fund we had like five million in the bank from you know our parents or some shit like that so it's like we never actually had to make money so we never knew how to make money yeah but we're like successful because we have money and we're teaching you. So we've done a lot of good. You know, we've, we've shown you the tactics. We've talked about the platforms. We've done all this stuff. Similar situation. I mean, you just lose so much trust and credibility going yeah, forward, yeah. you know? So I don't know what the, he, his biggest money making was selling a product, which were what? pills. They were vitamins or, or something like that. So I don't know how he ever kind of managed that, that relationship. Sh- that saying shot. I'm natural. That but- shot. Like that product is fucked. Even the people that support him, if, if they feel like he's changed his life for his good, there's no way these fucking magical pills are the reason that these people's lives are changed. But I'm saying that maybe his point now is like, look, you can't look like this. That was never the goal. But these pills actually do help you be in a better place. I, I don't know. Like, I think that's you, I think You're also underestimating how much people will just move on from stuff and like accept it. But I, I don't see him. He'll never be highlighted again. And I think that's actually the biggest loss here is like the reason he blew up so much is because clips and vlogs and stuff were taken and posted on TikTok, posted on big media and all this stuff. Now they're just like, he's, he's lost all credibility in the big media. Right. I, th- I think like he could still do well content wise. Like I, th- I think he'll still be fine on TikTok. I think he could still put numbers up, but I think the transition from that to selling to your audience now becomes yeah. like an insurmountable fucking bridge for him with the, with just the gap in the middle where it's going to be really hard to jump that because it's like okay he has these pills and i'm like i thought they were helping me and now i figure out like probably doesn't even take them he does steroids like right, these pills right. don't even fucking work for him so it's like if he had built up enough good trust with his audience through helping them in like okay i do workout videos mm-hmm. i do nutrition videos and i've given you information that like steroids didn't actually matter for that to help you right. with you're not going to look like this but you still could do this workout and look better. And it would still help you. And like you've experienced, you know, gain in your life through yeah. the shit that I've shown you. Like that registers in your head. You're like, okay, this guy has helped me. I don't care whether or not he does steroids. That will build off. An, I, I don't know like the backlog of his content to know like whether or not he's done a good job building that yeah. up. Or if he just like sits on things and he's like, I'm just so big. Like <laughs> trust everything I'm fucking saying right now. 
Um, so I guess it, it depends on like the way he's gone about it. But yeah, I mean, he's he's it's it's not good. I'm I'm excited to see like what his rebuttal yeah. is, and I'm sure we'll see it by next week's episode, so we can talk about it in that sense. Yeah, I'll it, it I don't know even what like his main platform is or where he'd make an announcement. I have seen two things: one, people defending him, and two, people actually taking the route of like what I said. We knew like it was very clear he was taking roids, and like this wasn't natural. I think that probably helps him in the long term. Of like, guys, we you knew, move? but you're not his target audience. What I'm saying is like when it comes back to like. Uh, how does he make a living off this? And maybe he just runs a fucking farm and makes a living that way. And yeah. he what, doesn't care about what, what right, people right. on TikTok say. And he'll yeah. never fucking address that it. That will be in his comments for the rest of his career. And Forever. that sucks. Yeah. Like, that sucks. And it just goes to, like, you can't fake it. You will get caught. You will get caught. SBF and FTX got caught. Liver <laughs> King got caught. The two biggest ex- exposés of, of the year. I can't wait for you to get caught. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to get caught with. Yeah. Well, I, didn't we talk about this? How, like, I haven't, neither of us have been canceled effectively uh, in, in a few years. I mean, you, you do this long enough. If you're doing something wrong, you'll get caught. If you're not, probably in good standing. You'll still get caught. Because <laughs> the rules change. The rules change over the years. That's true. You put Isaac uh, Rochelle commented on our big content TikTok. Yeah, so big content TikTok. What's it called? Big content podcast on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So Donald, uh, who helps us out with the show sheets, and then obviously our our social uh, posted our Isaac Rochelle clip about his relationship with his wife and him getting cut and whatever. He commented on the video. So he did this, right? <laughs> yeah, right, the emoji. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's a lot to take away from this, more so being thoughtful in your content planning. So this is not by accident, right? He is big on that platform, and we knew if we used his face and we used a conversation about him, there was a higher likelihood that, one, it would get it would have more activity Two, that he could actually find it. Similar reason we're talking about Brianna chicken fry. Similar reason we're talking about Dave Portnoy. Similar reason we're talking about liver King. These are all kind of figures that we're using to get our points across. So Brianna, it's how we feel that creators and influencers need to talk more about financials. We use Brianna to kind of get that message out too with Portnoy. Our message is that the creator playbook ends in a product. We use Portnoy's face to talk about that conversation. And then Liver King, I mean, a million different ways. I also just want to talk about that psycho. So, yes, this stuff is all pointed. I think that's kind of the skill and the talent and the thoughtfulness that goes into content. Uh, so we got you, Isaac. and We did uh, get him. And then his <laughs> comment helped, like, boost that exactly. that post. Now yes. it's at, like, 33,000. Yep. Um, I think there's something to be said for that. Like, I, I think about this on YouTube, too. Not necessarily using people that are popular, but segments that are popular. Because it, it, it's it's a it's a it's a fine line between this is the topic of of the content we're about to talk about and like do I even care or want to talk about it? Yeah, I think if you can bridge the gap, it's really it's a special talent that works really well. So if you could find the topic that's popular, but then figure out a way to talk about it in the way that you want to, to relate it to the shit that you're actually passionate about, that's how you do it. You don't just like talk about a topic for the sake of talking about it, being like, this is popular. I hope people care about it. But if you talk about it in relation to helping people become full-time content creators or helping people get further in the content creation game, like that's the beauty of content and like leaping off of other people's opinions on these things and using the popular topics. And like for fantasy, you know, I know what, what works in the industry. I know what videos get views. I know what it is. Some of them I hate. I'm like, I can't sit here and do this shit. But if I use that as like title thumbnail Mm -hmm. and then go about it with a twist of my own, they'll still get the views, but people will stay because it's different because they like my personality because of this stuff. So I think bridging the gap between those two things is, is a really, really pivotal 
thing for content creators in terms of building both width and depth because you get views, but you also get like your, your twist and your personality on it. Yep. Last thing I want to touch on everyone's Spotify raft have, have come out. It's everyone's favorite part of the year when you post on your Instagram story and everyone reacts like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I can't believe that you listened to Taylor Swift for four hours this year. But in all seriousness, we went on Danny Miranda's podcast, thought we had a good conversation. So plug that. Uh, but, but, Our takeaway there and from Spotify wrapped is, at least mine is, make it easy for others to share your content. So I also went on my friend Kevin Cooney's podcast uh, and he sent me a DM. Yo, would you be down to collab on a post? Collabing on the post, all I'm going to have to do is accept. Now, I could be more particular and say, hey, what's the segment about? Let's do this. He gave me two different times that could be better for better to post for my audience and his audience. But the takeaway is like Spotify wrapped. This is data and information they had. If, if, if I had to go request that, like it's never happening, Mm -hmm. but they pop it on your feed. They make it shareable to every single social platform. And I think that is helpful. If you have someone on your podcast, cut up clips for them, tag them, send them a Dropbox of, of stuff, make it as easy as possible. Send them captions that you think would be helpful. And, and instead of getting, you know, one Instagram story repost, which will, they'll always, do that for the most part give them the piece of content and if it's good they'll share it and that's only going to help you're, you're, you want to shape them in a way that makes them look good so yeah, it's like yeah. there's two parts to it right like getting popular people on your podcast is difficult in its own right or getting it on your youtube channel difficult but getting them to actually share your shit with intent and purpose is even more so because you never want to be the person that's like hey can you share this hey can you go out of your way because Listen, like people, if, if you get someone on your podcast that has 500,000 followers, like imagine how valuable they think each post of theirs right. is. So it's almost like you become a company being like, hey, can we use one of your posts to promote me? That's what it is. So instead, you interview someone that's really popular with a big following. You take away from the interviews, not what how you look good. Make them look good in it. Make them look whatever, whatever they want to look like. Smart, intelligent, funny. Take those clips. Send it to them. Don't make it about yourself. Make it about them. And they'll have no problem being like, this is cool. Send them three clips or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't post any. Maybe they post all three. They'll probably post at least one. And that's how you promote your shit. Because they'll naturally do it. So they, I look good. At the end of it, it could be like, this is Danny Miranda's podcast. Yep. This is Jack's podcast or whatever. That's the way I think you always need to be thinking of like how you're giving value to the other person. Give more than you try to receive. And ironically, that's how you receive the most in the end. Yeah, I'm trying to think of different scenarios. So like podcasts are super popular, but even like blog posts, like if I I think of like a gambling blog, like I'm putting out picks for tonight's game, I'm getting Nick's picks. Instead of just sending them the link, think about creative ways to actually offer them that content. It could be a collab tweet. It could be, you know, an Instagram post. You could create a graphic so that they could promote it. Whatever it is that kind of just gives them something so they don't have to do anything, but it looks good on their account or whatever account that may be. Yeah, you might have to invest into it. Like for that example, be like, yo, we're giving away, you know, a free piece of merch for everybody that tails Nick's picks or whatever. So he wants to obviously promote that to his, I want to promote it to my audience because I'm like, I'm giving my audience shit for free for like, I didn't do anything for it. You know what I mean? So it's always, again, like just think about how to help the other person will always get you further. And I think that your point earlier needs to be brought up, which is everyone thinks, at least in this world, if if you're big enough to be a podcast guest, nine times out of 10, you have value in the 
the market. I get paid X amount of dollars for an Instagram post, right? And so, like you said, that's how I think about it. If I'm promoting you, I know a brand will promote, I'll promote a brand, but it'll be for, you know, not free. Yeah. So how do you drive value in that scenario? Yeah, and and personally, people like looking good. That's, mm-hmm. that's a priceless value prop for people. It doesn't always have to be money or this or merch or giveaways, but making someone look good will always be fucking good. Draft time? You ready? Yeah. Give it a proper intro because you think this is going viral on TikTok. Yeah, so we're about to do a draft. Let's do a draft of the cringiest things content creators do, brands do, or anyone or anything does on social media in the modern day. First thing I'm going to do is just the over usage of... All right, time out, time out. I want a proper intro. Perfect intro. (laughs) (laughs) Not a a big intro guy. All right, I'll intro. All right. We're drafting the cringiest things that content creators and influencers do. All right. For my first pick, just the overusage of emojis. And this is, I came up through like Twitter for the most part when I first started posting a lot of shit and like to promote your blogs or whatever you're promoting, just 96 fire emojis and just like exclamation points and this. And it's just like, bro, when I see brands do that or individual content creators or like a Instagram post or whatever, just be like the most basic shit with 17 fire emojis. I'm like, get that the fuck off my screen. Okay. My first pick, the fake Lambo, the fake private plane, any any of that. If you got to rent a watch or a Lambo to get a piece of content off, that's just cringe. And I, I think I, I, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, that's it's a bad look. That's like the number one. Like, you're just like insecure. You're hey, like, you said that's the number one. What? That's the number one pick. No, no, no. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, you said that's the number one. Whatever, dude. Get over yourself. Okay, number two is people that... I'm just going to title this as people just doing the most in public. Like like girls who take videos just like in a thong going through Home Depot or dudes who like check out at a grocery store and then they jump on top of like the turnstile and it's like start making a mess and shit. It's like no human would act like inhumane behavior on social media. Shit that you would just never do in real life. I'm fine with it until you start bothering others. Like I saw one TikTok where it's like they're trying to buy something at Walmart like that they're not supposed to buy. And like they start getting a fight with the worker. And obviously the worker isn't chill about it and could have been chiller. But like once you start ruining someone else's day. and Just like just knocking to, shit over and like yeah, causing a problem. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that's, I hate that. People on like the subway but do like, that. Like if you want to wear a thong to Home Depot, like. I, I guess we'll, we'll keep that on my draft pick <laughs> side. My second pick, not acknowledging a situation. Meaning acting like you're some huge creator or influencer because your dad or mom didn't give you a billion dollars to start with. Or Kim K, like not like acting like you're a lawyer and shout out to her for going to law school. But like, are we not going to acknowledge the beginnings? Like it has never once been talked about as like why you are who you are. I just think that that is cringe to me is is. Like, you made it because of the money. Yeah, that's fair. If people, just be fucking truthful with yourself. Exactly. You'll be fine. Uh, number three for me is people who... I'm going to go man-on-the-street interviews on TikTok just in general right now. Have <laughs> Go to my most recent TikTok. I have a man-on-the-street interview. I don't mean, like, not not everyone's man-on-the-streets. Like, I, I think these, when done well, done correctly, are great. People who are good at them do them really well. 99% of them are the same recycled questions. What's your body count? How much do you make? Like, what's your salary? Like, what's your rent price or whatever? Pardon? Would you rather have a gay son or a thought daughter? Uh, it wouldn't matter. Okay, cool. As long as they're healthy. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. As long as they're healthy. I think when it comes to journalism and it comes to, you know, what we're doing is art. What we're doing here is art. Not everyone can do what we do.
and it's one of the toughest jobs in the world. I'll say that right now. Thoughts on the Jews? I make 50K a month, right? And I'm not bragging. That's the truth, right? And I, I didn't have a rags to riches story, right? Well, I did. My dad offered me 50K. He said, start, start your own business, son. And don't, don't be afraid to ask for more. And I said, you know what, dad? Fuck you. I don't need your, you know, I don't need your handouts, but I, you know, I'll take the first 50. So I guess one person did that and it wasn't like great to begin with, but it was like interesting. And then nobody else can like come up with their own spin on it. Okay. Like, so my most recent man on the street, we did, would you get back with your ex-girlfriend if it meant prime Andrew Luck was back for the Colts in Indy? Now that's like a variation of that. Do you like good. that? Yeah. I think that's a great fucking spin because okay. it, it takes both sides of man on the, like you can do a lazy man on the street sports section. You yeah. could do a lazy man on the street, you know, romantic ex-girlfriend type yeah. of shit, but you found a way to, uh, combine both of them and i think if you're in a sports stadium like you were the ex-girlfriend thing also relates to every single person in that stadium so it was <laughs> for me it was a good sp I, I like okay. that all right thank you number three cringiest thing a influencer or content creator could do boxing now look man I, look, look, get your I, money no no 100 100 that doesn't mean it's not cringe that okay. does not mean and i'm not even talking about like jake for the most part because i actually think he's like become a decent boxer and what builds the pay-per-view up is actually just the cringier you get like stealing floyd's chain like that whole thing is what sells so i understand it i'm more so talking about like i cringe at the fact that like frank gore and Le'Veon bell fell off so hard that they couldn't sell 100 tickets to a boxing match that's the cringiest. But if you got a fight, if someone walks in here tomorrow and they're like Jack Nick boxing match for yeah, 250k each. Obviously, I'm in. That's what I'm saying. I'm not hating on people who do it. It's still But if cringe. they said 500k to the winner, zero to the loser. Yeah, I would knock your you, ass you out. You walk out with no money. <laughs> I would knock your ass <laughs> out. You have the reach, but you're yeah, just, your reach. biceps are just despicable. <laughs> I've been on that liver king club. <laughs> All right. Oh, um, man, I have so many on this. I think this is your favorite piece of content we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking pumped. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the fourth pick is just people's entire personalities being how they look like they do someone who's really hot like anything they do doesn't really look cringy but objectively it's so cringy like there are people who build a million person audience by just like lip singing a song or doing a stupid ass dance move and i'm like how i don't know i just like couldn't live with myself <laughs> if i was that fucking person it's I, like they I do something where, where if someone all right they're like a nine out of ten and they do that Everyone loves it. If a, if a, someone who's like a five out of 10 does it, four views, just absolute flop yeah. fest. You know what I mean? That shit drives me crazy. And it's like, listen, if you're going to make content and you happen to be hot, cool. But if you're entire, someone did a great TikTok about this that like went viral talking about it. It's like, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> I, you, I, I've got no use for this right now. What are you doing right, being right. a baddie I, on my feet? No chance we're showing this on the, on the actual podcast, but I'm going to show you this is this. Tell me if this is like who you kind of, I mean, that, that she is just one of 10, but, but, uh, one of 10 billion people that do it, but to see what they're promoting. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, look, I respect it, but also it's like, you're using your whatever. My fourth, I, like, I like, don't respect it though. That's the thing. Like I don't respect it. And I, I see, I, I already know for everything. I wouldn't get along world. with that person in real life. I already That's know fine. that That's I fine. Ju it just makes me cringe. And it's just like, you do shit that is so cringy, but like, you just happen to be hot. It's like, you, you I got no place for you. You're hot. No, <laughs> not hot enough. If you zoomed in on me, no, everyone would stop watching. Like that was, if you zoomed in, I just stared at the camera game over. My fourth pick is the hot guy, hot take guy. If your content is just clickbait, 
or hot take. No difference. The hot take guy is just the hot girl in guy form. Exactly. And I understand it's it's cringe, but you have to do it. Look, I'm not proud of some of the thumbnails and titles we've done on some of our content, but it does make me cringe. Like, it genuinely makes me cringe. And, like, Emmanuel Acho right now, uh, Nick Wright, Colin Coward, like, I get that you have to keep up. Skip Bayless, like, it is the game, especially in the sports media world, but it makes me cringe when, like, you just become the hot take guy to become the hot take guy. Now, I do think a differing opinion and standing strong on that makes sense in certain scenarios, but the hot take guy, it's just, like, find a different angle. Yeah, I want to give one honorable mention. I'm going to list my other ones that I had on here. I want to give one honorable mention to the audience members and the commenters. Like, this aged well. Like, get a new fucking line. <laughs> when people are like, this aged well, like, that was, like, barely funny in 2017. Like, let's go. Unless you made a comment on the initial thing that you said this is dumb, and then five years later, it played out dumb, you can call back to that. But if... I don't if, mind people calling you out, but, like, right. ever, if you have a bad post, like, I still get YouTube comments from, like, 2019 videos. This aged well. I'm like, bro, like, did you think of that all by your fucking self? Like, if you're gonna make fun of me, <laughs> let's so angry if you're gonna make fun of me let's banter a little bit you know what i mean like give me something to work off of i can't make fun of you for that because you're just like so dumb and uh, like you got nothing you got no creativity to you bury me you know all right get run through all your honorable mentions because uh, i just came up with my four okay um so like youtube thumbnail expressions just like the face very cringy and honestly like this we should do one for this 100 percent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is kind of bad but when people use like serious or like really trending sounds like popular songs and shit but it's like a video of them just like cooking eggs in their kitchen or some shit like that it's so weird to me you, you love the grind that that is what my takeaway is from this list you like the idea that anyone could just like be hot be lazy and still fucking crush as a creator or it's cringy to me, I yeah, guess. Yeah, it, okay. It kills that it. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Which which I get it too. It's like we're working very hard over here, <laughs> yeah. like being particular about thumbnails, about yeah. <laughs> content, and then like you're hot. And look, that's why I say credit to you because you, you pulled it off, but all right, keep going. It's just weird. Um, get it all out. People who have out. like backup accounts when they're like, please follow this account. See, I my... see this one I actually disagree with because I think it's smart. It's not like, an agree or disagree. I'm just telling you what makes me cringe. <laughs> It's no right or wrong. And a lot of people are going to be like, you're just Finsta's an asshole. Finsta's or backup accounts. Because Finsta... Arm Finsta's is just like a way to share shit that you don't want to share with your regular yeah. friends. That's, you're fine with that. I'm, I'm talking about like, yeah, like social... Like, okay, there's a girl who builds up a Instagram following of $500,000, 500,000 followers. Not important whatsoever. You just show your ass. No one gives a fuck. And they're like, please follow my backup account with more ass pics in case this one gets banned because all I'm doing is showing my vagina and my tits. Like, yeah, it's going to get <laughs> fucking banned. And you, you should... Fuck you for having a backup account. It's so stupid. And then secondly, thirdly, maybe more on my list... How, listing how many followers you have on a different platform in your bio drives me nuts. I hate it. And you might be someone why, who does this. Why? I just think it's weird. Because, again, it goes back to, like, your – it's almost a version of you being a hot girl is your value prop. Like, you showing how many followers or subscribers you have is, like, your value. It's of, confirmation bias. Yeah. It, it's like, it, in it your bio sense. should be something that, like, tells you something about someone or, like, whatever you want to put in there. But it's, it's, it's weird to just be like, oh – I have 5,000 followers on Twitter. It's like, but I have 64,000 followers on TikTok. I'm like, dude, no one gives a fuck. We're on Twitter, dude. Drives me nuts. Keep going. Uh, most of them are just kind of like recurring ones of previous ones, but uh, I'm just, I'm in my fucking, <laughs> I'm mad right now. I'm not thankful anymore. Thanksgiving was last week. And we're, we're off our bye week fired up. Like you said, some of us are Andy Reid. Some of us are fucking. Nate Hackett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. Yeah. Comment below or comment. What, what do people say on top? 
on TikTok. Like, just comment. Like, what? there's no direction. They'll like, just be like, who soloed? Yeah. <laughs> who, who dubbed? Who Who's the liver king? Who's just going to age not well? <laughs> All right, Q&A? Yeah, we can do Q&A. All right, Q&A. You said you were going to copy it onto the doc. Oh, dude, it's sitting there, like, highlighted. Uh, and I, yeah. I did. No, you did, but you put it under the draft, not under Q&A. All Whatever, right, dude. Q&A, first question. This is in the Discord, which is in the description of this video. If you're watching on YouTube, you can get into the Discord. You can have access to the masterminds for free before we launch our all-inclusive course. We're doing a part two of that in, draft next in, week. In eight <laughs> years. Doing more research. All right. Big content, uh, Patsy, 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 Patsy says, I started and it's a TikTok <laughs> business account. I'm a grammar nerd. I started a TikTok business account for the company I work for. It's at 17K. I'm a soccer coach. I do it for free to help the company grow, but I want to start monetizing. Also, we're building an app for player and coaches. And I want to start building a community with TikTok and the app. Any recommendations on how I could approach this? Asking for money, equity, or any other tips for monetizing? Before we dive in specifically, my initial thought is just like, make sure you're doing something on your own. Just don't be reliant because you could get fired. You could get let go tomorrow. They could say no to anything you ask. And all that that you did is kind of meaningless. So that's my first thing is like, do it on your own as your personal brand. It doesn't have to be you. It could still be like a soccer coach uh, as a thing, but I would build your own audience. But now how would you navigate this situation? So I'm... I have some thoughts. I'm, I'm a little confused, I guess, by what he means. Okay, I do it for free to help the company grow, but I want to start monetizing. I'm confused if he's like, I want to monetize for the company right. or for myself. Yeah. We're building an app for players and coaches, start building a community with, with TikTok and the app. Any recommendations on how I could approach asking for money or equity or any other tips for monetizing? So it seems like he's not trying to monetize for himself, which means I guess he's very bought into the company or he just wants to show that he's bringing value yeah. to the company. And wants it to is a little unclear, but like that kind of is what we could get more intel, but this is kind of a good question because no situation is going to be the same. So it's more so like, how would you approach this? Right. And, and I think that, uh, Jack Mack, do you follow him on TikTok? He's also a barstool. Yes. We'll theme this, yeah. this about barstool, which will get good clicks. Hopefully, but Jack Mack, he runs a lot of their socials. He's super creative on their stuff, but he has built his own TikTok following and it's hyper valuable because he can always drive towards barstool, but he can't always rely on barstool to drive towards him. And I would always make a recommendation of like, have your own kind of own thing because if they're letting you do it for the business then they should let you do it for your own how do you drive value to the business by doing this for them well here's i think that you've already done that any recommendations on how i could approach asking for money or equity or any tips for monetizing so those are two very different things asking for money i'm assuming well yeah when you say asking for money i'm assuming you mean from the company itself when you say monetizing that's basically money from the consumer not from the business one i don't think asking for money from the company is the right way to go about this. I think showing them that you can make money first and then asking them for money would be the way to do it. Similar to we talk about bringing people onto our team. Like if you're coming to me right now asking for a job, I'm mm -hmm. not going to give it to you. But if you do that job for me and I'm like, damn, you did a good job. I might pull you on, then pay you, then hire you. He's, he's in an interesting spot because it sounds like he has built up the following. So now it's show how can you monetize, then you'll make the money off of so it. So my first, my first thought goes to um, a course. So if you are, uh, you're a soccer coach. I don't know what your TikTok account is. I don't know 
what kind of content you're putting out there. So 17K is cool. It's a good number, but that could mean nothing. Like on yeah. TikTok, that could mean nothing depending on what kind of content you are serving. If your TikToks are teaching people how to be a better soccer player, this for or me- Or a better soccer coach even. Or a better soccer coach, yeah. soccer player. I would say player would probably be better because Broader. it's a bigger audience. Yeah. Um, if your audience is built through that, then you have a really easy- bridge to go to monetization. Well, I think the app is kind of, I, from what it sounds like, person works at a company in the soccer realm and that company is building an app. He started a TikTok about soccer of some variation, works for the company and is like, how do we kind of put the pieces together? For your own personal benefit, it would be for you to kind of replicate that content on your own personal stuff. If there's a world where it's a small company and they see the value in you, it's I should ask him to clarify this. Yeah, it's it, it's showing like how building a TikTok is going to convert users to the app store, which will e instead of having to spend fifty thousand dollars to market the app and get ten thousand downloads, I have that audience already built out for you. You should give me equity to continue doing this. Like that's the entire I think the path I would I would approach. But biggest takeaway for me is I would try and do as much on my under my own umbrella as I could to the point where they said, this is ours, you work for us. Then you can come back and say, okay, if you want me to do this for you, then I need to be compensated as such because this is the value I bring. Yeah, I would, um, I, I think that's good. Obviously building on your own is always like, uh, it's never the wrong direction to go in because it always gives you a little bit of leverage on the side. I would really think about building a course, a video course of how to become a better soccer player or a better soccer coach, I would check out teachable.com mm. where you're making videos and they've basically niched down to be a teachable online course platform. So if you want to run a course, they have it like nicely set up for you. And that's like an easy product to content bridge right there for you. If you're content is like highlights from soccer games, or if your content is like funny soccer memes or whatever, you're going to have a much more difficult time converting people into customers because that's not the value that you're giving them to begin with. And if you wanted to monetize that, if you wanted to monetize through a teachable course, you have to start teaching people so that the, they believe that what you're selling them is actually going to give value to them. Um, so I don't really know much about the app, the player and the coaches. Like, is that already, you know, like what I'm talking about now? Because then you could build through that. You do need to have some sort of like landing page where you're teaching people. And for me, like you, you as a soccer coach, like mm. you're teaching people how to be either a better soccer coach or better, better as a soccer player. So that feels like video is a good way to teach that. Or like you can't do that through like blog posts, right? Like our product as a fantasy draft guide, you know, I do a lot of video work, but in the guide itself is all like written stuff because people consume that, mm. but you can't consume how to be a better soccer player through fucking, you know, written stuff, but you can make videos of like, these are my favorite. I mean, you can. Uh, I guess it'd be weird though. I think like drills, if you, I mean, right. Like video videos would make, would make way more sense. Diagrams. Diagrams can be within the teachable course. I think yeah. I mean, there's probably written yeah. in a video for it, but I feel like videos bet like, okay, this section of the course is going to teach you five drills that mm -hmm. will help you with footwork, five drills that'll help you if you're a midfielder, you know, five drills to help you, your stamina, whatever shit like that. I think that's the easiest way to monetize. Uh, most of these platforms are not very expensive to start off with. So I think looking at different online course platforms that have a low overhead um, of, you know, $20 a month, $40 a month, $50 a month. That's probably something you can get from the company. But yeah, th I think that would be my way. Yeah, last touch on that is, are, are, is it time to monetize yet? So if you think you're bringing added value to a company that you're not being compensated for, or you see the value that could be in a big business like this app, 
that's when you want to ask for it. But if you're just at 17K, remember putting content behind a paywall, you're going to lose out on potential customers down the wall, yeah. down the down the road. So I, th- I think I think like also the fact that he asked for equity feels like he's bought into the company. He's yeah. like, hey, I'm building their social. I want to mm-hmm. monetize for them. I want to build this out and become like a big part of the company and ask for equity. I think you could do that. I, I think there's a very real path to do that. I think you still have to show more in order for them to buy in to be like, this dude is going to be a big piece of our company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, the way you do that is you keep building, obviously you keep building your personal, keep building the brand and then have a product in which you sell the audience. And once they realize like, oh, this guy's bringing in more money for us, like he's going to be a big part down the line. From 4IZ, you guys ever think about streaming on Twitch? Twitch, uh, I think there's a larger conversation to be had here just in terms of like where you spend your time, what you want to do on these platforms, um, how you choose whether or not to dive into a platform like Twitch. Twitch kind of still feels like the wild, wild west and feels like it's felt that way for years and years and years. And I don't know if it's ever really going to centralize itself or stabilize itself. So for us, we did Twitch streams like once a week where we would do like a Madden stream, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like fun and kind of like a brand builder. People got to hang out with us and see us get really fucking, you know, angry yeah. and like juice up and whatever. And that's kind of the way I've always approached Twitch. I know people do make a lot of money on Twitch. I don't know if it's necessarily like great for growing organically. Um, mm-hmm. The way I've always thought about Twitch has always just been like, if we do it, it's just going to be for fun. It's just going to be for hanging out, playing video games. You could post your fantasy drafts on there, like do mock drafts. I think we did some of that sometimes, but it felt like a little bit like a, a wasted effort, to be honest. Okay. If I could pick anything in the content creation world, newsletter, streamer, big Instagram following, and like any of the different kind of verticals, I would do streamer. I think that, I think having a large live audience is the most valuable out of every, like I'm so jealous of all the streamers who I know who like they have significantly less followers than we do at Snapback, but significantly more uh, live. And I just think so much can be done live. So that's my answer. Have I ever thought about streaming on Twitch? I've done it. Um, but it's always sporadic. I have a question. And, These dudes yeah. that you like really admire as live streamers, what do they actually do? I've I mean, never so, watched their streams. Yeah, so some is just like video game streams and they're entertaining, funny. They engage with chat while, you know, being impressive on the screen. I think that's great. That That's like, I'd say the majority of stuff. Some people are, have found a, a world where they're just like entertaining and people. So they're just like funny entertainers. That go instead live. of watching like Netflix or watching live <laughs> TV, like that's live TV to them. That's really interesting. I don't watch a lot of Twitch uh, because that's not how I watch live sports and that's kind of the world I play in. But I would love like I think there's a world where you'll be able to call games live or have hangouts. Mm -hmm. But like you have to be so consistent with it and build a crazy community and following like that. When I heard the numbers about like people on Twitch, like they're live streaming hours per month and stuff. I was like, that's. That's like, on these people are a different breed. To be a stream, you can be a YouTuber without spending every second doing YouTube. You cannot be a streamer without streaming effectively like eight hours a day, which is what makes it tough to become a successful streamer because when do you find time? Like, it, unless you start from day one, but like, that's what I find Pat McAfee's audience so successful. Like, to me, he's a streamer. Like, he live streams for three hours in a row every single day during the week and he still manages to do everything else but that's tough because that stream is like the second he stops doing that he's going to lose a lot right. of his audience which is a lot of pressure uh but i just think that streaming is, is super powerful uh there was an only fans model who was actually talking about what you know her twitch relationship 
And she said, it's the greatest billboard in the world. 40,000 people see me. I kind of promote the OnlyFans and I make, it's not the biggest platform to make your money on from streaming, but like Isn't what though, you can don't, do. Don't, aren't the donations on there sometimes well, crazy? They can be. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, some people make a, you know, a crazy amount of money, but like if Portnoy had a live streaming audience, he would be, which he kind of does, but he's not a streamer. Like he would have been able to show the watches. Well, he like, did, uh, he did like the opening bell every morning during COVID. Like exactly. the stocks, stocks exactly. only go up or whatever. And that shit was riveting. And when you and think about the difference, if he sends a tweet about buying Amazon stock, right? Sure, his audience is big enough. If he's live streaming, and and this is how I feel, it, it's because streaming is the greatest long form content. It's the most engaged. It's the most actionable content. If I want someone to sign up for Underdog, buy a stock. If I just post about it, they only see that. If I talk about it, why I like that stock, how to actually do it, walk through the steps of doing it, and and be entertaining throughout, you can just move. You can move mountains. And yeah. so I think live is, is yeah. the goat. Yeah, I mean, I remember getting on a call with someone from either Amazon or Twitch, and they were like, "Yeah, like I think you guys have like a real chance of you know yeah. being a player in the space, or whatever." It's like if to get into one of these programs, like all you'd have to do is you know do this for a few months, and they said like. You have to average like four hours a day. And right. I'm like, that's just off the table. Yeah. Like, there's no chance that we could do that. And I, I just think the dividends would be there. Probably. But, but what you have to sacrifice, you have to sacrifice the entire business to do it. I would get burnt out. I know doing that. Like, yeah. I mean, that's like way too much content for me to sit down and sure. do for one period that, of time. And, so. Yeah, I think that's what builds those people. And they do yeah. burn out quickly. Yeah. So and for, then going back to the original question, like, do you guys ever think about streaming on Twitch? Like, for me, I don't look at it from like a business opportunity. Yeah. I look at it from like a, we're going to have fun. Let's, let's have people hang out with us and yeah. fuck around. Yeah. All right. Um, we did have one more question in here that just dropped. You want to hit it? You like it enough? Yeah. Go ahead. Me and my, from Manny King, me and my brother have a sports podcast and the TikToks we post using clips from our podcast have started to do well recently. In general, the ones that do well are controversial or hot takes. This leads to hate comments, et cetera. Which doesn't really bother us because we don't care about the judgment about people judging us off thirty seconds of us. But for creators in general, how would you navigate hate pushback early on in the content creation process? Process the page is Kingdom Sport. If you're wondering, Jack has actually been on our pod before. I didn't realize they were popping off. So, yeah, these are my boys. Yeah, if Texas finishes behind Clemson in the rankings, I'm going back on the show. How do you navigate this? Uh, sorry, fellas, that hot takes were among my cringe, but this is the game. Like, this, I think, is something you have to factor in. It's like, how do we get the name out there? And you have to attack topics that are hot takes, which is why I say it's cringe to a degree, but I completely appreciate and understand why you have to do it. It's what you're competing with. I think if you're confident and knowing, I don't, I don't think popular topics and hot controversial takes are are the same thing. Popular, they're not. But like you could talk about something controversial, and then at the end of the but day, but a hot take will perform better. At the end of the day, I think the best way to go about this is as long as what you're saying you genuinely right, believe right. is who you are, you're gonna be fine. Yes. Fuck the comments, keep pushing. If you are doing hot takes and controversial things that you don't even believe in just to get numbers, that's going to be a, a world of pain for you eventually. Yes. That's that's really the bottom line for me. If I say shit that is against the mainstream, against the popularity, as long as it's something I genuinely believe, which I, I would like to say every piece of content I've ever made is something that I genuinely believe in, I'm fine with what the comments say. Because it's, I mean, in my heart of hearts, like I'm that that's it. That's all I'm looking for mm -hmm. is genuine conversation, genuine connection, genuine content every time I turn the mic on. And I'm looking at your content now. I don't, I'm not watching them, but based on the thumbnails, they don't seem like these crazy hot takes. Like who's better, Spencer Rattler, or DJ? Like DJ's had an awful season. What's the path for Clemson in? They're out. Sorry, guys. Does USC have a shot? Like these aren't 
I think, crazy, crazy controversial. Like, when you start going to stuff you don't believe in, that's when, like, people that, people won't listen. You also have to understand the nature of people commenting on TikToks come from a place of, like, you say something that might be controversial, might not be controversial. They want to say something equally controversial to you because they know other people are also, they're, they're looking to just combat you. And they know that if they say something controversial to you, they'll get likes on their comment. I genuinely believe that like 75 to 80% of negative comments on TikTok, the people who write them don't even believe what they're commenting. They don't. They I know just because it's Snapchat. The, yeah, they, com- they do is, it just for the sake of getting likes. one to one. So no one else, it's not a group you, comment. You ever respond to a hater? They're like, ha, just kidding. Love your stuff. Like you're a fucking loser. Dude. Yeah. And we just get so many less kind of negative comments because no one else is going to see them. Mm-hmm. So what I do know though, is if someone disagrees, they do genuinely disagree, which is cool. And like, they, they think that, but we won't just get stuff for, for likes. Cause there's no likes to be had. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, say, say shit you believe most of the people commenting on your stuff are in a bad place in their own right, or just looking for stupid fucking validation. So just you guys, you guys will be fine. Just keep doing shit that you're not doing for the sake of controversial or hot takes. And then use my face when I come back on after (laughs) the season, just views galore. Yeah. Fake take Jack's Jack's good at his job. Let's wrap this finish discord podcast subscribe review rating whatever people do oh i wanted to say with the spotify rap stuff i can't wait for ours next year interesting that'll be fun because they do one for podcasts okay yeah let's um next episode we can make like like predictions predictions or goals okay all right all right Cup of lean. <laughs> when we went to uh, Penn State, we went to cha- you've been to Champs, yeah. yeah, the dirty sprites or whatever. Mm-hmm. So sexy doesn't drink like at all because he hates like the taste of liquor. And we've oh, tried yeah, everything. Yeah. Tried giving him margaritas. Tried making him white Russians. Like maybe he'll like something that doesn't really taste like alcohol. And the only thing he we made him drink a dirty sprite. He's like, I kind of like these a lot. <laughs> so ah. we ripped a few of those. But like, I don't think there's like a lot of alcohol in them. I feel like I had ten of those the night we went there. Not even sure why I'm talking about that, but we I was talking about fuck you. Let's let's go. What do you have a straw for? I like drinking coffee through a straw. Uh-huh. It's water, water, coffee. All right, man. Whatever. Hydrate, caffeinate. Whatever. We're back. Life lesson 101: Always hydrate before you caffeinate. So give yourself 60 to 90 minutes before drinking your first caffeinated I don't drink, drink in the morning. I can tell. That's why you stink. Built fucking different. Built pathetically. Look at you. All this talk about being a biceps content creator. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I get. Well, I was on Liver King's plan. <laughs> what a beast.